died in Bethlehem. And when Neil and the boys came to the moon in that tin can at Gettysburg, Omaha Beach, and Vietnam, I heard every soldier's cry and every mom's prayer. I was there. your first breath and when you lit that stolen lucky strike and like to choke to death when you were waist deep in Carter's Creek and Preacher John dunked you down in the water raised you up for air I was there then and I am now and I'll be here when tomorrow comes when a road comes to an end I'm where you start again I'm never further than a word away you've always got a friend when your grandma passed, I was in that house. And when your grandpa ran down the streets of gold, just to show around, I was there. I'm always around, I was then and I am now, and I'll be here and tomorrow. When a road comes to an end, I'm where you start again. I'm never farther than a word away. You've always got a friend. I'm, I was there last night on Highway 9. When you answered the phone and ran right through that stop sign I was in the cab of that big rig and the trucker's ear Made him swerve to the right and miss you by a hair I was there When you're feeling all alone, look up I'm the one who answers prayers And I'm always title of my sermon this morning is why Jesus did not show up. He's just saying he's always there. And I'm fixing to preach to you why Jesus did not show up. 
It ain't, it's not going to make sense, but it is for it's over with. John chapter 11. My mercy. What a God we serve. I just stand in awe. He had no idea what I was going to preach, and I had no idea what he was going to sing. Y'all stood. Y'all know better. Y'all just come on. And I'm going to read my scripture. When I get done reading my scripture, I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to have my wife come and sing another song that's going to fit right in. God knows what he's doing. I can't even read this morning. Lord, have mercy. Brother Allen, would you read for me John 11, verse 1 through verse 15. Y'all listen closely. Y'all follow along as he reads these first 15 verses. I want to read that verse 15 again. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word today. Thank you for being in this place. Lord, I'm glad everybody's here, but most of all, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad your sweet, holy presence is in this place. And Lord, have your will and way today. Lord, continue to bless. Bless this song. Bless this message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus. 
Jesus, he did not come, and they wondered why. The death watch was over, buried for days. Somebody said, he'll soon be here, the Lord's on his way. Martha ran to him, and then she cried. Lord, if you had been here, you could have healed him. He'd still be alive. But you're four days late, and all hope is gone. Lord, we don't understand why you've waited so long. But his way is God. Not yours or mine And isn't it great When he's four days late He's still on time Jesus said, Martha Show me the grave But she said, Lord You don't understand He's been there Four days the gravestone was rolled back then Jesus cried Lazarus come forth then somebody said he's alive he's alive you may be fighting battle of fear you've cried to the Lord I need you now but he has not appeared friend don't be discouraged cause he's still the same he'll soon be here he'll roll back the stone and he'll you glad he's always on time verse 15 I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there I want to preach to you this morning on the subject why Jesus did not show up these two ladies are going through the tragedy of their life 
They just lost their brother. These two ladies were saved. They have been faithful to God. They have gave their love and dedication and fellowship to the Lord. These ladies love the Lord. They, they cried out in the worst time of their life, and Jesus did not show up. They cried out, and they asked for the help of the Master, and the Master did not show up. They cried in tears. They cried with all of their faith, and they cried with all that they had, and Jesus did not show up. This goes against everything that I've ever preached to you. This goes against every message that we've ever heard. This goes against the song that Brother Sam sang. But I promise you it's going to make sense in a minute. Verse 15 struck my heart and my soul. When I read this, I just melted down where Jesus said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. There are times that we cry out in the midst of our tragedy that you cry and you pray. And it just feels as though that God has not yet showed up. It just feels as though that God has not came to your rescue yet. It just seems that God's work and God's hand has not been there yet. And to tell the truth, it may be that God has not done anything. Even though you've cried, even though you've prayed, He hadn't answered your prayer yet. You're still going through the trial. You're still going through the tragedy. May I tell you today, don't quit crying. Don't quit crying out to the Lord. Don't quit praying. You keep on praying and you keep seeking God because I promise you He's listening today. I want to, to remind you this morning that He is, is aware of what you're going through. I know sometimes that when we get in the midst of tragedy that we think God has forgotten about us. God has not forgotten about you. It may seem like that nobody cares. May I tell you, God cares today. When you're praying and you're crying out and he hadn't answered you yet, you understand this. God is well aware of what's going through in your life. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your stature today. I want you to understand this and remember this. God is aware of what you're going through. Not only is he aware, but he cares about you. He cares about you. I want you to notice what this verse here says in verse 3. It says, Therefore a sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, whom thou lovest is sick. I love how they worded that. The one you love, Lord, is sick. The Lord loved Lazarus. And they knew that they could entice the Lord and get the Lord there because if, if they knew anything about Jesus, it was this, that Jesus loved him and that Jesus loved them. And they knew that Jesus was a God of love. May I tell you, regardless of what you're going through, God loves you. And I know it seems like that He hadn't heard you cry. I know it seems like He hadn't answered your prayer. But may I remind you, church, today that God loves you. He loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son for you. I know it's simple. I know it's easy. But there's days that we need to be reminded that God loves us. The devil will tell you anything and everything to tell you that God doesn't love you. You hear this this morning, God has always loved you and He always will love you. And I love what He said here in verse 4. Notice what the Scripture says, or excuse me, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
You know, her sister's Mary. Mary's the one in verse 2 that reveals that's the one that went and fell at the feet of Jesus. When you find uh, Mary, you always find Mary at the feet of Jesus. When you find Martha, she's the busy one. She's the one that's cumbered about. She's the one that's too busy to serve the Lord. She's the one that's too busy. But I love here in verse 5, it said, Now Jesus loved Martha. He didn't just love the one that was dedicated to Him. He loved the one that wasn't dedicated to Him. Oh yeah, and her sister too, whatever her name was. The one that fell at His feet every time He got in the house. The one that adored Him. The one that was faithful to Jesus. But not only does He love the faithful, He loves the unfaithful. He loves the one that's not always serving Him. He loves the ones that are backslidden. He loves sinners. Aren't you thankful for that today? He loves sinners. Regardless of what you're going through, you be reminded that God loves you. And you remember this, Jesus is always listening. When you think He's not there, He's there. When you're fast asleep, He's wide awake. Jesus is listening to every prayer that you pray. You pray it in faith and you pray it in the name of Jesus. And I promise you, He's going to hear it. But preacher, I prayed today and I hadn't heard from him yet. Then you pray again tomorrow. And don't you pray once, you pray 500 times. You pray every chance you've got. You say, preacher, I've been praying for a month and it hadn't come yet. You keep praying. You keep praying because I promise you this, he's listening. He's hearing every word. He sees every tear that you're crying. He knows your heart today. Aren't you glad he's listening? Aren't you glad that he cares? And aren't you glad that he's aware of what's going on? Why did he wait? He could have went. If he got there on time, everything would have been a lot better. Oh, if he'd got there when they first cried out, Oh, goodness, look at all that could have happened, but he waited. And there's times in your life that he waits. So why is it this morning that he waits? Number one, Jesus waits because of people. Now, I want you to think about this and think about the Hebrew culture at the time. When somebody passed away, this is what was involved. The first thing that would happen because of the hot climate, immediately they would begin to prepare the body for burial. And they would take the body and they would wash the body. And they would begin to use spices and ointments to clean and to season this body. And then a lot of times they would wrap them in a linen cloth. And they would take their bodies to the grave that very day that they passed away. Because in this hot, arid climate, you couldn't wait around. You had to get it done. And they would take them to the grave. And a lot of times they would take cloth. And they would get this paste. And they would take this paste and they would start bounding the body up. And almost in a cocoon-like fashion. If you will look uh, here in verse 44, it said, And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. This is how they would do the body. They would bound them up and to protect the body, to preserve the body, okay? So, so that that climate and so that nature wouldn't take its course that fast. But it's as good as all of these procedures were, they weren't the best, okay? They're not as good as we have today. But understand that very day they would begin to prepare the body and they would take the body that day to the grave. When they get the body buried, then they would begin to make the announcement or what they called the wailing. And they would begin to announce to the neighbors that Lazarus is dead. 
He has lost his life. So after the burial would come the announcement. And they would announce all through town and through all the neighbors. And they would begin to announce the death of Lazarus. After the announcement would come the weeping. It would come the weeping or the time of lamentation. And these people would begin to weep with the family. And they would begin to sorrow just as we do. But what's interesting in this is in this culture, about three or four days is the ultimate peak pinnacle of the weeping process for the family. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have Google. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. You couldn't tweet somebody that somebody passed away. Word had to get out. And the pinnacle of the weeping time, history says, is four days. Why did Jesus wait four days before he went and raised Lazarus from the dead? Why did he wait four days until he showed up? Because he was waiting for the people. He wanted everybody to get there to witness one of the greatest miracles that was ever going to be performed in God's Word. He wanted everybody to see. He wanted, wanted it to be a spectacle. He wanted it to be broadcasted. He wanted everybody to see the glory of an almighty God. He couldn't do that with just Mary and Martha there. He wanted as many people as he could get there so that they could see, so that they could witness, so that they could behold the power and the glory of God. Mary and Martha was saved. Their life was no longer about them. It was about Jesus. Lazarus was no longer about him. It was about Jesus. Why did he wait? Because Jesus had already saved Mary and Martha, and now he wanted to save their friends. He wanted to save their friends. He was waiting for them to show up. Notice verse 31. The Jews, then which were with her in the house. You see, people began to gather around. I want you to look here uh, in verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on Him. Understand that Jesus was putting on a show because He wanted everybody to see His glory. Sometimes our trial is not always about us. Sometimes our tragedy is not always about us and our family. Sometimes it's about reaching our neighbor. Sometimes it's about reaching the community. Sometimes it's about reaching that lost family member that we've been praying for. We pray, God save them, God save them. And then a tragedy comes in our life and we think, oh, poor us. Could it be that that tragedy is in your life so the people around you could see the glory of God? You know why he waited? Because he was waiting on the people to show up. You know why he was waiting on them? Because he was ready to show out. And he was fixing to show out his power and his glory. He said, I don't want just a little crowd. You bring everybody you got. If he would have went on the first day, it would only been the family. If he would went on the second day, it would only been a few neighbors. If he would went on the third day, it would only been half of the crew that he had. But he waited till the fourth day. And on that fourth day, the crowd was gathered. And boy, didn't they get a show that day. I'm telling you, a dead man got up and walked out. You won't talk about a show. That was a show. And he didn't want 20 people to witness it. He wanted 2,000, 3,000. I don't know how many was there. But I know a lot got to see the glory of God that day. Why does he wait? 
because of people and also because of power. You see, Jesus has already raised two others. He raised Jairus' daughter and he raised the son of the widow of Nain. He already raised these two, but the Bible said that the news spread throughout all the country and word began to go around that Jesus healed these two kids. But if you remember when he healed one of them, the crowd said, well, they were probably just sleeping. And so as the news went out, the scientists began to take this news and began to pick it apart and try to explain how Jesus could not bring a dead person back to life. The theologians got it and they applied their philosophies. I'm telling you, the lost people and the Pharisees took the news that Jesus raised from the dead and they did everything they could to decrease the level of power about the man called Jesus. And they did everything they could to distort the story and to turn it. And oh, they, hey, them kids weren't dead. They were just sleeping. They were just taking a nap. They were just in a coma. They were, you know, they were just out for a little while. They passed out. That, that Jesus ain't powerful. That Jesus sitting everything. He doesn't have full of power. So Jesus said, you just hold on and I'm going to show you something. You know why Jesus waited four days? Because he allowed the death process to take place in the life of Lazarus. I want you to look in uh, verse 39. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. The term he stinketh in the Greek means that he was stinking. <laughs> death has had its way. The body was deteriorating. It was gone. There was no more hope. There was no more victory. He wasn't just dead. He was dead all the way. And Jesus allowed those four days to have full effect on the body of this man. For all of those doubters and all of those persecutors that said, oh, they were just sleeping. Oh, they were just taking a nap. He said, okay, I'll show you. He said, just let him sit there four days. There's Mary and Martha been faithful to Jesus, crying out, Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, save us. Just hold on. Just hold on. I'm still on the throne. <laughs> I, I still love you. I'm still listening. Hey, they called and they called. He came, didn't he? He was there the whole time. But it wasn't time yet. He waited till his power could be seen at the ultimate peak of who he is. He wanted all the doubters and all the persecutors. Just behold what I'm about to do. And all these scientists and all these philosophers, all of their excuses about to go away. He waited four days. Death had taken its toll on this man. He stinketh. He stinks. It's what us South Arkansas people would say. He stinks. It's gone. No hope. No hope. And Jesus waited to the very end where there was no hope. But understand there's always hope when you know Jesus. And as long as He's on the throne, and as long as you're calling out to Him, and as long as you're praying to Him, there's always hope. With something with men, I want you to know this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I'm telling you, Jesus was waiting to the end till everybody said there's no hope, there's no way. May I tell you, there's always a way with God. God can do anything. When you think you go back in your life today, 
when you thought that it was all over and it was all done, God worked it out, didn't he? God's power entered into your life and there is nothing you can say or do to explain what happened other than God showed up and he showed out. There are things that have happened in your life that you can't give credit to creation, you can't give credit to science, you can't give credit to theology, but you can only give credit to God. This lost world says, oh, it's just a coincidence. Oh, man, man, what good timing. May I tell you, we serve a sovereign God who's in control all the time. There's no such thing as luck and coincidence. God's on His throne and He's sovereign today. And His power shows up the very time that He can be seen the greatest. There is no other way to explain what happened other than Jesus showed up and showed out. Y'all ever had that time in your life? That you can't explain anything else other than God showed up? Are y'all awake this morning? Come on, you can smile today. God's power is in your life. Can you go back to that time in your life that you can't give credit to anybody else other than the Lord? Jesus waited because of power, but He also waited because of purpose. Look in verse 15, if you're with me, say amen. amen. And He said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Then that just rip you, rip your heart. And you're thinking, what do you mean? Notice what he said, to the intent you may believe. The word intent means to the end or with the emphasis on the result. All we can focus on is the tragedy, but Jesus is looking at the result. All we can see is the trial, but Jesus sees down the road where He's going to bless. May I tell you that Jesus is not worried about tragedy. Rather, He's concerned on the result that the tragedy may bring. Where we're so focused on today, but Jesus is worried about not just today, but tomorrow and the next day. Notice in verse 4, when Jesus heard that, He said, the sickness is not unto death before the glory of God. That Son of God might be glorified thereby. Why did He wait four days, preacher? Because He wanted God to get glory. Why does Jesus wait in our life? Because He wants to get glory from our life. He wants to get glory from our life. Verse 15 says, To the intent that you may believe. Not only does He want to receive glory in our life, but He wants to save lost souls. You know why things take place in our life like this? Because Jesus is trying to save somebody. He is trying to reach out to somebody somewhere and share His love with them. I'm telling you, the plan of God and the purpose of God is beyond my understanding. His thoughts are higher than mine. His understanding is higher than mine. May I tell you, I don't have the mind of God, nor do I understand the mind of God. But I'm telling you, He's got a purpose for everything you're going through. And when you think His plan is no longer, and His purpose is no longer, you hold on. Because God's got a plan. And God's got a purpose. He's trying to save somebody's soul. But you know what we think about today, but God is thinking down the road. All we can think of is right now. I want you to go in verse 53. You see, a lot of people got saved that day, but not everybody got saved. And there were some that doubted. And they took this story and they took it to the chief priest and they began to share this story. There was no longer an excuse. There's no longer another explanation other than this. This was truly the Son of God. This is truly the one with all of the power. 
And they went to the chief priests, and notice what it said in verse 53. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. Not only was God trying to save souls, but God was trying to fulfill his ultimate plan. His plan is not just in for day for today, but it's for tomorrow too. And it's not just for your life, but it's for his entire kingdom. Understand that we don't always understand, but God is fulfilling a purpose. Do you understand this is the very story? This is the very act that led to the death? Of our Savior Jesus Christ. Not only was he trying to save souls. But these people were so cut to the heart. By this, by this witness and by this story. That they were so hard hearted. That they plotted to kill Jesus that very day. Jesus brought life to man. And man did nothing but hate him for it. And that very day they sought to kill Jesus. What happened? He went to the cross. And he died for the sins of the entire world. Mary and Martha thought it was all about them. But God knew it wasn't just about them, but it was for everybody else. God was working things out down the road. Oh, isn't God good? I don't have the eyes of God. I don't have the ears of God. I don't have the mind of God. But I need to trust Him. He knows what He's doing. He had a plan all along. He was on His throne. Jesus knew what He was doing. And He waited to that very time so that everybody could be there so the news would get back. That they would seek to kill Him. That day forth, the bounty was on His head. He was done. He was toast. Because He loved people. Mayor Martha thought it was about them. I told my class one day, please listen. Please, all eyes up here. I told my class one day this story. But I got a call one day from some members that had been unfaithful for a long time. And they called me and they said, Preacher, my wife is down. She's 43 years old. She had breast cancer, lung cancer. We went to the hospital and I got up there and I cried and I prayed with them. We went through the whole process for days and here the news came, there's no hope, there's nothing that we can do. You're going to pass away. And that's what happened. But this woman held on for about six months. The doctor said, you'll be gone in a couple of weeks. She lasted six months. She had three boys. I believe their age at the time was 13, 16, and 19. The 16 and 19-year-old, I led both of them to the Lord and baptized them, but the young one was not yet saved. And she told me, she said, Preacher, I've been unfaithful my life. And she said this in tears. And she said, I know that I know that God has a reason and has a purpose for this. And she said, Preacher, I just cannot stand to go to heaven with the thought that my 13-year-old boy is lost. She said, Preacher, I cannot stand the thought that I'm going to leave this earth not knowing whether or not Ty's going to follow me in the glory land. She said, I know that I know if I die, I'm going to heaven. But I don't know about him and she said, oh, preacher, would you talk to him? And I talked to him. Conviction was there, but it wasn't time. We had to wait. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited. Six months, this poor lady suffered. And she suffered, and she suffered. Day after day, her husband would cry, preacher, why is the Lord waiting? Why is the Lord waiting? One day, David called, said, preacher, Ty's ready. Come. Come quick. <laughs> We're at the hospice unit. I went flying down to Lufkin. 
I went in that hospice unit, got him, and I led him to the Lord right there. That young man went and crawled in the bed with his mama, said, Mama, I got saved today. And oh, she cried and she wept. That very next day, she went home to be with the Lord. Why did he wait? He had a plan and he had a purpose. I don't always understand it. I don't always get it, but he knows what he's doing. This woman was a third grade teacher, very well-to-do family, very popular. He asked me to preach the funeral, and he said, Preacher, I want you to sing, too. Excuse me? <laughs> God called me to preach, not to sing. And he said, I know that, but I've got a song I want you to sing. And I said, David, I can't do that. He said, yes, you can, because I'm asking you to. Oh, I was mad at him. Oh, I got bitter, too. But I prayed for strength. We went to Nacogdoches First Baptist Church. We went there, and the preacher was sitting beside me. I said, Preacher, how many sitting here? He said, Probably about a thousand people. And I preached the gospel like I've never preached it. And I want you to know that souls were saved from that thing and from that service and from that tragedy and from that event. God knew what He was doing. And I hate so bad that He had to use the family in the manner in which He did. But oh, he got glory. Oh, he saved a soul. He said, Preacher, I want you to sing, Jesus Loves Me. I said, David, I can't do that. He said, Preacher, that's the only song that got us through. And every night I sang it, Jesus Loves Me. I want you to sing it. And I preached my guts out and I sang this song and I could feel the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. He who died. Heaven's gates are open wide. He will wash away my sin. Let his little children come in. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I don't know a lot, and I don't understand everything, but I know this. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. And I'm going to hold on. And I want to encourage you to hold on. You keep holding on to faith. You keep praying. He's going to show up. He's never late. He's always on time. Why do we ever doubt Him? 